Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. We love camping. <laughs> have you ever been camping? Yes, I've been camping. Have you ever been to a camp? I have never been to a camp. Me neither. And I want to do a lot of things at camps. Which like, I miss. What? I, well, you what know, do you mean a they lot, do a lot of, of They do a lot of sexy things at camps. What? <laughs> camp is for like... <laughs> Only you. <laughs> well, I mean, there's band camp, and we know what happens there. We do know what happens at band camp. A lot of, a lot of trombones. <laughs> Welcome to Audio Shelf, a place where we take you on a fantastic journey through our audiobook adventures. I'm Brad, and I'm Brittany, and we are the voices in your head. So today. We're going to do a Valentine's Day episode because it's a Valentine's Day tomorrow. It's Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day. And the book that we chose was The Odds of Loving Grover Cleveland. Because Au- loving is in the title. <laughs> yes, that's the only reason why we chose it. Uh, and the author was Rebecca Crane, narrated by Caitlin Kelly, and published by Brilliance Audio. Brilliance. Brilliance. The release date was December 1st, 2016. Dang! I did not realize that this was so recent. Wow. And the duration is seven hours and 48 minutes. And the genre is depression. (laughs) What? (laughs) Depression and mental illness. Coming of age. Contemporary. Young adult. Basically young adult. Basically young adult. Basically sad young adult. Angst. Angst is the way that I described (laughs) this book very, very a lot. (laughs) Very, very a lot. Very a lot. <laughs> hey, I'm not a writer. So tell us about the summary, Britt. All right. Well, we took our summary from Amazon, per usual, or the back of the book, basically, reads, According to 16-year-old Xander Osborne, nowhere is an actual place, and she's just fine there. But her parents insist that she get out of her head and her home state and attend Camp Padua, a summer camp for at-risk teens. Xander does not fit in, or so she thinks. She's only one word for her fellow campers, crazy. In fact, the whole camp population exists somewhere between disaster and diagnosis. That's kind of like harsh. It is really harsh. <laughs> also, I wanted to just say diagnosis, murder. Murder. But no, there's no murder in this book. No, no murder. There's her cabin mate, Cassie, a self-described manic depressive bipolar anorexic. With problems. Me, which makes me really mad because... Hashtag problems. <laughs> hashtag problems. But bipolar, I just want everyone to know, bipolar is super hard to diagnose in children and teens. So please stop calling our teens bipolar. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> that was a message from our local therapist, Brad. It drives me crazy. <laughs> Grover Cleveland, yes, like the president, a cute but confrontational boy who expects to be schizophrenic someday. Oh, big dreams. <laughs> Don't stop believing (laughs) you're gonna be schizophrenic. (laughs) And Beck, a charmingly confounding pathological liar. He just made me so angry the entire book. I was like, I don't even want to hear him talk. I did not Mm. like Beck. But amid group Sherapy sessions, which are not a thing. Not a thing. Not at all. And forbidden late night outings, unlikely friendships form. And as the Michigan summer heats up, the four teens begin to reveal their tragic secrets. Xander finds herself inextricably drawn to Grover's earnest charms. And she begins to wonder if she could be happy. But first, she must come completely unraveled to have any hope of putting herself 
back together again, like Humpty Dumpty when he fell off that wall. That's not a part of the write-up. <laughs> but this is some deep stuff. The write-up uh, makes me depressed just reading it. Yes. And that's why the genre is depression. <laughs> yes, very much. Depression and mental illness. I was really interested in knowing what Brad would think of this book. Because Brad is the one that found it. And it seemed right up his therapist alley. Mm -hmm. Seems Sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just explain how it came across this book. So back in December, which is when it came out, Amazon Prime reached out and they were like, please have a book because you subscribe or you have Amazon Prime and you can have a choice of all these free books. And so I got this free book, but it was an ebook. Oh. And then when we went on our ebook spending or our audiobook spending spree, we bought this book for $1.99 because of the Whisper Sync. So, to answer your question before we get to it at the end, you can buy this book on Audible. Yes. And the reason why I chose this book is because, of course, the mental health topic I'm drawn to. And I was really excited to kind of read this and hear about a camp filled with children of mental illness. <laughs> to me, that just that sounds like... That excited you? <laughs> Well, to me, that just sounds exhilarating. Well, Brad has some pretty interesting <laughs> exhilarations. Because I feel like if you put my job into a camp, this would be it. Yeah, I feel like this was like in the head of Brad. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so just a little history of me. I work with children of 3 to 17, all kinds of different problems. And this book kind of had that idea of children not knowing who they are, kind of helping build their identity. So I was really interested in reading this book. Yeah. So I'm glad that you chose to read it as well, or listen to it. Listen to it. <laughs> so let's talk about the narrator a little bit. I found her voice to be interesting. It was very young sounding, which was great for Xander because Xander was supposed to be a teen girl. Mm -hmm. And also she was able to differentiate the voices just enough to where Cassie sounded different than Xander. Mm -hmm. And there was also Madison, who was a camp counselor, who also sounded different from all of them. Grover, she had a little deeper voice. And also Beck, who had the most annoying voice. I did not like him at all. It just went hand in hand with his annoying voice. I, I think he was the worst character of the whole series, mm -hmm. or the whole story. I think my problem that I had... <laughs> My my mental issue with this book was that I just couldn't get into the characters' problems enough. Mm -hmm. I felt like all of their problems were just so surface, mm -hmm. and it never really dug deeper except for Xander's. Yeah, I think Xander definitely had the worst of the worst, and yet the whole book is her trying to explore what that is and what yeah. she actually is and identifies herself as. And I think that was really hard for her to label herself something. Like yeah. everyone, it was so easy for everyone else to label themselves with, I'm bipolar, manic, depressive, and I'm anorexic, and I'm- I self-harm. And I'm going to have schizophrenia when I get older. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> it was just so filled with all these children trying to be something- that if you think about it, they weren't. Mm -hmm. So and that was I, interesting. I wonder if that's the, the point that the book was trying to make. I hope it's the point that the book was trying to make because that was the biggest thing that stood out to me is mm -hmm. that all of these kids are basically just saying that they have the, these problems. Grover doesn't know for certain if he's going to be uh, schizophrenic. Beck Beck doesn't actually really know what a pathological liar is. But yet he lied every sentence he said because he i felt like he did it on purpose mm -hmm. to be different yeah and and i get it i get it there are kids out there that are attention seeking and they want to be labeled as something to figure out who they are but 
On the other hand, there are other kids out there that are really having these issues. Yeah, that struggle with them internally and don't necessarily exude them because they're afraid of the stigma of Mm -hmm. it all. Yeah. I mean, I see this every day with parents that come in and say, my kid is bipolar and he's five years old and he is throwing temper tantrums. I'm like, no, then your kid is not bipolar. Your kid has- Your kid is a five-year-old. Yeah, it's a five-year-old and he has no structure at home. And it's mostly parenting. And I feel like that's one of the things that this book touches on is everyone's so quick to diagnose themselves instead of just taking a step back and realizing that they have to go through simple, basic aspects of of a healthy upbringing, such as hope, perseverance, trust, all the things that the book talked about in detail. Yeah. And just kind of realizing kids need to be kids and they need to be loved and supported and parents out there don't know how to do that. A lot of parents and teachers. And teachers, yes. I mean, it's surprising how many teachers just like to say that their third graders are ADHD Mm -hmm. when in reality, they're nine-year-olds. Yeah. They're not going to pay attention if the material is not- uh, Provided in a- exciting and interesting way yeah but that i think that's another topic that's totally not we're getting way off topic here way off topic but back to caitlin (laughs) but the point is that people just are too quick to throw out diagnoses Mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the points of this book is yeah all these kids have been through something that impacted their life in a negative way but they just need support yeah they just need love Mm -hmm. back to caitlin Like I was saying, her voices for the characters are really great and her ability to create the different characters in this camp world was very strong and I got attached to her as a narrator, but I can't say that I got attached to the characters at all. No, I, yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I felt that she had really good voices for each of them, like Mm -hmm. you said, but I didn't like the voices of... I guess the perspectives of different characters. Yeah, I did not like their personalities. Mm-hmm. I did not feel any sort of attachment towards Xander. As a main character? I As a main character, I no. was like, come on, can I have someone new? Yeah. And I think probably at, towards the end, I was like, okay, poor Xander. You know, I think now I'm starting to feel something, but I missed that throughout the whole beginning of the book. Yeah. And I wish it, I would have had that in the beginning. Yeah, because it just seemed like Xander was there for everybody else. I don't know. She just, she missed the connection that she could have had with the listener and with the reader, I guess, in the book as well, the entire time until the end. When we find out what happened to Xander, because we find out about halfway through the book, I would think, a little over halfway. Probably a little over, yeah. The thing that happened to her that made her parents want to send her to camp, I didn't feel any connection for her. When she revealed that, it was as if the buildup was so, was so much, and then they're just wasn't anything that actually connected me to her at mm-hmm. all. So I just felt like it fell flat. Yeah. Her connection with Cassie, to me, for instance, I didn't care about Grover. No. Throughout the entire book. I mean, I've the, the book is called The Odds of Loving Grover Cleveland, so I'm thinking Grover's going to be this huge part of it. And he was. And I think the author was making him a big part, but then she decided halfway through the book... Maybe this isn't really about Grover. Maybe it's about relationships in general and friendships. And she then started focusing on Xander and Cassie. Yeah. And I was confused about that because when I was listening, I was finishing it up today. And I said, why was this called The Odds of Loving Grover Cleveland? It just did not make sense to me. Yeah. It didn't make sense to me either. And Grover, yeah, he was a huge part of it. And I think he helped Xander in her journey of discovering who she was as a person and 
because Xander is described as a person like in the the synopsis, she thinks that nowhere is a good place, that, that nowhere is somewhere she can exist. But through Grover showing her that her feelings are legitimate and that he listens to her and he can help her cope with issues, she discovers that she can feel happiness again. She can be okay with herself and she can come out of her shell and just be a happy teenager. She doesn't have to live in this sort of bubble of a world anymore. Yeah, halfway through, it just kind of becomes... Cassie and Xander Mm -hmm. the entire time. And it becomes a lot of what's wrong with Cassie today? Yeah. What's gonna set her off? Cassie was Cassie reminded me of lots of my clients, the females. Not trying to throw out any stigmas or out any or anything about genders, but Cassie reminded me so much of the females that I work with that are my clients. (laughs) And it's kind of like, what is wrong with Cassie today? What's gonna happen? What is she gonna do that's outrageous? And how can I help her? But that I think that was what Xander was trying to do. How can I make her happy? And instead of trying to save her every day, which is a lot of energy given, yeah, she should have just supported her. Yeah, Cassie just kept finding herself in those situations where she wanted to be saved, and I was just like, this is just a lot of back and forth between yeah. the characters. I just and they it they was a whirlwind. They make it <laughs> as if Cassie. She's so used to people giving up on her and she's just trying to push their buttons to give up, to give up hope on her and everything. But at a certain point, even the most broken of characters in some way, shape or form will come to realize the people that matter to them Mm -hmm. and that really care for them. And I just feel like Cassie never realized that Xander really cares about her. And it just, it bugged me because that wasn't something that was realistic to me. Mm-hmm. And I know that the book is supposed to be fiction. It's not – Camp Padua is not a real location where these characters took place. But I just felt like with Cassie, Xander put her whole heart into everything. And Cassie, every step of the way, was knocking her down mm-hmm. and pushing her buttons and saying really, really harsh things to her. And when she would come to apologize for saying those things – Xander would be rightfully so venting Mm -hmm. and Cassie would hear it and then Cassie would get mad again without actually expressing her apology. So it felt to me like Cassie was just making up that she was there to apologize when Mm -hmm. really she just she was just trying to push Xander's buttons even more. Mm -hmm. And it is frustrating, but sometimes it's I mean, that's real. It's real life and people that experience it's just that kind of like that borderline aspect of it. It's like I love you one, one second, then I hate you the next and then I love you. And then if you if I hear one thing negative, then I'm going to change my whole worldview about you, and it just becomes exhausting. And I think that's one thing I wish they would have touched on. And I know, as a clinician, personality disorders typically do not get diagnosed within teen, with teens. They usually wait till they're 18 and over. But it definitely showed Cassie having some of those traits because she was so quick to diagnose herself with, oh my god, I have this, I have that, and I have this. She kept pushing Xander away when Xander was trying to get close, and then it was exhausting to listen to. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was, but that's sometimes, I, that's yeah. real life, yeah. Yeah, and I know that I we've definitely experienced some people in our real lives that <laughs> are, are very similar to Cassie, uh. and I can say with certainty that I am not equipped to handle those types of people. Yeah. I think you do a much better job and that's why you are the therapist, but I just have a hard time it's, yeah. dealing with it. I would rather remove myself. <laughs> which is equipment. good, which is healthy. You have to know your limits in order yeah, to be if, content and, and 
keeping yourself safe. Yeah. Emotionally. I mean, if a person is making me feel emotionally unstable, then that's the point where I need to go. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's enough. I need to I need to step back from you. I need to take a little break. And there was no one at this camp like that, though. No. They were all so enmeshed. And I think that was what was so exhausting listening to mm-hmm. it, because no one was like, I mean, there was Madison. At, you know, the- God, she had like four lines, though. <laughs> no. Yes. She was a pretty big no. part of it. Only I, I found her end. very annoying, because, and then towards the end, I started liking her, which- makes me cringe saying that because the whole book I found her annoying. She is the camp di- not the camp director, but she's a she's a counselor of the at the camp who leads these therapy sessions. And she was so fake and she was so cliche and she made counselors just kind of look bad. Mm-hmm. But then I also you also realize that these are volunteers who have been to the camp before. That's why they're there. And then you also know a little history about Madison at the end. I just found that Madison She didn't have that huge of a part, and that's what annoyed me about her, is because she was there to help these kids, and she didn't at all. The kids stayed the same, and they helped each other figure Mm -hmm. things out without the therapy sessions. So Mm -hmm. to me, it felt like it tried to show that therapy doesn't help, that -hmm. your friends are there in order to help you, that your troubled friends will help you more than your counselors. I can see that. I can see where you would get that. Yeah, which I think is terrible. It's a terrible message mm-hmm. if that's what comes across because True. therapy is necessary for True. for a lot of people. Yeah. And I saw it differently because if we're thinking about group therapy, the change isn't going to happen in a session. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen in real life with experiences that the, the child, in this case, the camper, is going to experience for themselves. Mm-hmm. One thing about this book was they allowed the children to experience that change in a safe setting, which is the camp, with their friends that were going through the same thing. So even though they were together and they were all kind of messed up in their own way with each other, they were still taking tons of what they're learning in the therapy sessions. For instance, the Camp Padua Anthony statue. What Madison would do is she would give the campers the statue to allow them to talk freely and without judgment. And so you found them, you found the kids not in the therapy sessions, but they're sitting there talking about St. Anthony and the idea of finding lost things. They were talking about what they were learning about in the session. So I think I see what you're saying, but I also think it's important for them to experience stuff outside of the sessions, too. It really felt to me that the only people that really experienced and learned anything outside of those sessions, though, were Xander and Cassie. Yeah. Those were the only two. The other ones, still, they they had no growth throughout the book. I think, yeah, Grover, Beck. Actually, no, Beck. I didn't, Beck was, I don't even want to touch Beck because he was confusing. (laughs) But Grover, I felt, like you said, no change. Yeah. He just thought it was a joke being there, I feel like. Um, Um, The other ones that, the one that. um, Dory. Dory and. Hannah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They all just. No, no growth. No growth. But they were still mentioned and I just expected more. I do. I have, yeah, I agree with you with that. I don't know. The book should have showed more of the other campers as well because I I wanted to know more about them. I wanted to know more about the camp and I wanted to experience more of the camp because I feel like this book has the potential to help it teens. It did. It did. Yeah. I would give the I would give this book to a teen if they liked reading, which none of my teens like reading. 
but I would give this book to them. You got to make sure, you, you know, here's a caveat of mm-hmm. if you take this book and read it, you got to go ABC. Yeah. Don't believe this. Try this instead of that, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of things that need to be taken out. And it makes me wonder if she, if Rebecca had somebody um, with her helping her write it that was a therapist and if they mm-hmm. gave any sort of feedback or anything like that. I would love to know Rebecca Crane's reasoning for writing this. Yeah, I want to know her background. And of course, as an author, not everyone's going to want to tell them their history. Mm -hmm. You know, their history somewhere in their work. Yeah. But it's still interesting to come up with, where do you come up with this idea? Yeah. Especially if you're using words like bipolar to describe teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That is just going to be your... Your little chip on this book shoulder. And schizophrenic. And, like I, and I get it. Like Grover was like, oh, I'm going to be schizophrenic one day. Like my dad. Yeah. But if you hit 18, this is for all y'all to understand. If you hit 18 years old and you still got schizophrenia, it's very rare that you're going to get schizophrenia when you get older. Hmm. So 18 is the cutoff. Is it? You really? got it? Well, that's not the cutoff, I but normally it shows itself from 18 it starts to like showing, 26 It starts showing itself between like maybe 16, 18, and then the percent of it actually happening lowers past 18. Hmm. Oh, yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, so I don't really hear voices in my head right now, so that's no. a good sign. Good. That's right. real good. Okay. <laughs> I feel confident. <laughs> I hope I'm not schizophrenic. Um, we talked a lot about the material. Oh my god, sorry. In the book. So sorry. No, no, it's totally fine. I think I think it's a it's a really heavy subject. It is. And it's really sensitive. And mm-hmm. I know my take on it is not going to be right. And your take on it is gonna be a little more right than, <laughs> well, than anybody and I else. Think is, it's so he- I think it's so heavy because there's such a stigma right now about mental health. Yes. And things like this book could make it or break it yeah they could allow people to have these perceptions of children's mental health yeah and be confused by it or be mm-hmm. they could read this as bible you know mm-hmm. they could read this as complete truth and say oh my gosh this person had that i'm gonna have this yeah and they could really relate to a, a lot of people could relate to cassie not the self-diagnosis and would it be diagnoses or diagnosis well she diagnosed i mean there's a part where she thought she was transgender that's true (laughs) so there's like the which plot hole because they never touched on that afterwards okay yeah no there's a couple times where they make mention of do you want to be a girl today or do you want to be a boy today and i just felt like that was really insensitive Mm -hmm. i agree yeah like i know that there's a lot of like pc going around and you know you want to try to be correct in, in every sort of way but just if you can't handle the subject without being almost kind of insulting, mm-hmm. don't write it. Write it, yeah. <laughs> there should have been a lot more follow-up. And yes, that doesn't define who Cassie is as a person. And I think that the story talked about her growth as a person who needs friends and, to support and her and help. But don't throw that in there of she's a girl thinking that she's a boy trapped yeah. in a girl's body. Every now and then. Every I mean, now like, I think just... it was I, I think it was three times mm-hmm. to be exact. And I'm um, like, yeah, that's that's a really important piece, you know, to talk about if you're gonna label her with all these other di- diagnoses. Mm-hmm. So it was just there's a lot of personal problems with this book. It was just interesting. Very, very <laughs> interesting. But let's talk about the audiobook. Because this is oh Audio gosh. Shelf, and yeah. we review audiobooks. Yeah, and I think we've just spent like 30 minutes talking about the source material. <laughs> 
And um, this is what happens when our producer Sean is not down the room. Yeah, with us. he's not here to yell at us and be like, <laughs> "Stay on topic, please." All right. So let's talk about the performance. We've we've already said that we like the voices that mm-hmm. Caitlin did for each of the characters. I feel like her tone and breathing were completely fine. Yeah. I didn't have to speed it up. I didn't have to slow it down. I think I, it was perfect. I thought that her voice was um, at times like a little nasally, a little bit. But that really kind of helped with the youthful sound in her voice. Mm-hmm. It worked really, really well for Xander especially. Cassie didn't really have much nasal, which makes me feel like her voice for Xander was a little bit more enforced. Like I feel like her actual voice might be more of Cassie's tone. See, I thought Cassie had attitude every oh, time she talked. Cassie was attitude city. So if Caitlin Kelly has that kind of attitude all the time, I'd be watching out from that girl. <laughs> Caitlin has like an attitude all the time, but I just think that the tone and the pitch of her voice is more on Cassie's level. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was a good mix between Xander and Cassie, but I think Xander was a little bit more nasally sounding. Mm-hmm. So Xander was kind of the more acted voice. Yeah. Or performed Maybe. Voice. Hmm. I'm not sure. We never know that with these. Yeah, we never. I mean, they're chameleons. Sometimes, yeah. They're very, very highly skilled. <laughs> So what did you think about the emotion? Because to me, the only emotion that I was getting from this book was teen angst. Yes. <laughs> I didn't get, you know, there was parts where it was, except the ending. I think with the ending, Caitlin Kelly really kind of picked it up and she started feeling these characters as well. Mm-hmm. I found that there was minimal emotion. Mm-hmm. The characters in the book were pretty emotionally stunted to begin with. You expected them to be emotional, so she didn't really have to add anything extra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it made sense that there wasn't a lot of feeling during moments of high energy or anything like that because mm-hmm. what we find high energy might not be what these angsty teens find high energy. Yes. How did you find the picture of the camp? Did you enjoy the world building behind it? I really like I like camp stories because I've never been when when stories and TV shows and different things like that kind of explore what it's like to be at a camp. It excites me because it's something I've never experienced and I'm kind of living through them. And with this book, I really liked how they did it. You know, you imagine them going through the woods and diving off the... Is it a pier? Were they Mm -hmm. diving off a pier? Yeah. Yeah. And into the water and you kind of felt like you were there. Yeah. And I really, really liked this setting and the way that the camp was described. Mm -hmm. I really liked the cabin descriptions and the the mess hall and everything Mm -hmm. because I got a nice clear image of where everybody sat, where the camp counselors were sitting when when the leader of the camp was standing up yelling at Cassie one time. Like I could actually see him across the hall. Yes, yes. So I really thought that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yep. So do you feel like this book was too long or too short? Mm. I mean, it was seven hours and 48 minutes. See, okay, so I listened to this at the gym, Mm -hmm. and so, or each little section, I listened to for 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the workout, and so I felt that it was a good amount of time. I didn't find myself anticipating my listening. I wanted to just save it for the gym, and then when I would get there, I would be able to listen, kind of question, like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. What what, what part is this in the book that I need to be paying attention to or something? Mm -hmm. So I didn't really, I didn't really think much about the length of it because mm-hmm. it was just a workout book. So yeah. I think, yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. And I want to touch on some of that in a little bit with our next couple questions. Mm-hmm. But in terms of length, it was very average. Seven hours isn't too terribly long. Yeah. 
but I could have listened to this in about six hours and 30 minutes. You know, I mm-hmm. feel like there were, the extra hour or so wasn't really needed. It was just, I feel like that was an hour of teen angst. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely was. How did you feel about the letter writing that took place in between some of the different sections? Like we got a little taste of each character in their letter writing. Mm-hmm. How did you... I like that. Out? I like the letter writing. In front of each chapter, there was... You know, a letter to Aunt Chai or the parents or in French. President uh, Cleveland. Yeah, to President Cleveland. And you got a little piece of each each character. However, I wish the French, and I get it, you want to be diverse. I just wish those words were explained a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I feel like I had to go listen to or pull up google translate and type it in to find out what they were saying yeah. which i didn't because i had no time because i was listening to this driving. we were we were in we were on an audiobook yeah. so we couldn't we couldn't see the words we don't speak french unfortunately although well, i would like I would to love to we oui, oui. um, that's all i know <laughs> bonjour bonjour oui, oui. <laughs> that's all we know so if they weren't saying hello or yes then bye <laughs> bye Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I I really liked the letter writing. I feel like in the beginning we got a little we got a little bit more information on some of those background characters mm-hmm. cuz some of the letters were written from their perspective as yeah. well. But then at a certain point it just got to be more Xander, more Xander, and that's where we really saw Xander's development come from. It yes, wasn't it yes. wasn't inside of the the camp at all. It was more so in her letters to her mom, which is very therapeutic in itself yes writing journaling writing letters to people yes. that aren't you're not going to get that immediate response back mm-hmm. that's very therapeutic and i really like that aspect of yeah it. except can i just say that all of these kids are i don't know if they're shakespearean or if they are robert frost's <laughs> of the world i'm just naming like generic yeah poets I, I feel like yeah this author wanted to be this john i just said john Um, This one to be John Green Mm -hmm. with his characters in The Fault in Our Stars and Looking for Alaska. All those books had had these very brilliant, smart, young teens. But when you come to this, these kids are not. No. I mean. Like they're so. They're they're not. I mean, I don't want to say they're not smart because they have mental mental illness. I'm saying that they're not. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm saying that they're just not educated and their education isn't discussed. Yeah, we, you know, we, we I, know, I have no idea that they're smart. We know some of their background, but then I don't know. the The problem I have is that every single chapter had to end with some form of grand poetic gesture, and I just don't think for a book about teen angst and depression and mental illness that was always necessary. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to be speaking in A B A B stanza, the stan the stanzas and the flow and siloquies yes or haikus (laughs) they didn't need those i just wish that they would have been able to have conversations that were on a teenage level Mm -hmm. because they spoke as if they were 30 years old and sometimes some parts of the the audiobook i was hearing cassie and xander go back and forth especially when xander called cassie a jerk yeah absolutely there were some parts where it was it wasn't like that, but there were a lot more parts where it was They were trying to showcase something that they weren't mm-hmm. which is this poetic. well this well put together person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like they presented themselves in this voice that was really well put together and packaged and sealed up tight with a nice sparkly bow. 
But then they actually, this is a book about mental health. So、mm-hmm. they weren't that way. So why were they written as if they already knew everything and had it all put together?、Mm-hmm. They knew all the answers. Yeah. Which is some, I mean, some teams, teens act like that. But this was the whole camp. The whole camp <laughs> acted like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, my God, every single little thing was just a poem. <laughs> and I was like, why does every single line have to have some deep, Guttural meaning to it.、Mm-hmm. I I didn't follow it, and I didn't I didn't really enjoy that very much. Yeah, I remember what it's like to be a teenager, and we're not sitting there in our letters to our parents, or in front of our friends, or to our first boy crush, speaking in riddles.、Mm-hmm. It's not how it goes. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so bringing it back to how we listened to this book, you listened to it while you were at the gym.、Mm-hmm. For me, this book was strictly car driving. Yeah, didn't listen to it sitting down like I usually do. Didn't take a bath. Oh, you then know, you know. I don't want to be taking a bath with here about teens. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, and especially there's a lot of drowning water in this. <laughs> didn't want to be taking a bath. But um, I was mostly driving and kind of to piggyback of what you said earlier about this. There was no anticipation. To listen to this book, I agree because I found myself listening to it because I had to. Yeah,、mm-hmm. I was never really excited to listen to it. I was never, like,、ah, I can't wait to turn this on and continue the story. It was、mm-hmm. just up、oh, in the car, gonna put this on. Yeah, for me, this book it was good, but it wasn't amazing, and I don't think I'd probably listen to it again. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't think I can listen to it again either. It's definitely, definitely going to be one to shove.、Mm-hmm. There's really no question about that. Yeah, we're gonna shove it into the lake. Yes, with Grover, because I really, really had a deep, deep hatred for Grover <laughs> as a person, as a character, as a fictional thing.、Mm. He just, he just really bugged me. And before I let you begin, you're, I want to give you like thirty seconds to kind of tell you. <laughs> Tell me why you hated Grover so much, because I know why. But I was looking for that, and I didn't find it. And I guess because I think you said something earlier that you don't have the animatonical—is that the word? I don't have the parts. I don't have the correct parts. <laughs> Is it animatonical? Animatonical.、Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just made up a new word. Sorry, a lot of clients like Five Nights at Freddy's and animatronics.、So. Oh, I like、anyway. Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> I don't like playing it, but I like watching it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think you have. The parts, because for me, Grover was not as gross as you think he is. But go proceed. Thirty seconds. <laughs> okay. Well, my problem with Grover goes hand in hand with my problems with Xander, in that Xander feeds into Grover so much that his attitude and his sort of grossness. I mean, this boy. She meets Grover. And he makes a reference to his shorts and what's inside of his shorts, and it just it. <laughs> It's gonna sound weird. It rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> That's what he said a bunch of times. Yeah. So it just it really bothered me that our character, and I feel like I'm preaching to the choir with last week's book and about my like need for strong independent women, but I feel like Xander had the opportunity to be her own person and to discover. What was wrong inside of her, and what was going on in her own head, and figure out herself on her own. But she just didn't try. 
She relied so heavily on thinking that a boy is what could make her happy. And that's where her that's where her happiness came from, is mm-hmm. from Grover's love. And also feeding into his disgusting pursuit of her so much. I mean, oh, God, he mm. – there's one part where they're going swimming. And <laughs> she comes out in, a, in her bathing suit. And his reaction is so disgusting. That black bathing suit. I've been waiting to see that black bathing suit on. It's just – oh, God. It's like – I I can't. I can't. And I understand (laughs) as a boy that maybe if I had the correct plumbing, I would find him to be completely normal and completely fine. But I don't. And I don't accept it. And that is where I stand on Grover Cleveland. Get out, Grover. (laughs) Don't put your hands near me. (sighs) But you've never had that thrill of a guy telling you that you look good in a black bathing suit? No. (laughs) What? I mean, he was charming. He wasn't charming. He was creepy. (laughs) He was the other C word that you somehow got mixed up in your head as being charming. Like, if that's Uh, charming, I never want to see what creepy is coming from Grover (laughs) because that's probably borderline he needs to go to jail. (laughs) He was like 16. (laughs) He needs to go to – he has two more years and then he'll be allowed to go to jail. I do want to touch on the fact that you said Xander – she needed that that male attention, uh-huh. which I don't agree with. Because, yes, she went from Cooper at home boyfriend to falling in love with – I don't even know if it was love. But she was infatuated with Grover. But in the end, she forgot about Grover. No, she didn't. No, yeah, she did. No, she didn't. Because she they said, said – They talked about – And that she fine. couldn't wait to – Grover. But that's fine. But she then – She kissed him. No, she gave up. She gave it up when – were they? Did they? Yes, they did. Oh, she was naked. I must have missed that. She him. I wasn't paying attention to her. <laughs> yes, she she <laughs> but V-Day. Uh, <laughs> but no, I because in the end, when she realized her relationship with Cassie meant more to her than her relationship with Grover. That's not even, what she thought. She's like, she said, I know what I've been missing, and that's Cassie. And that Cassie was helping her identify with her loss that she experienced before coming to the camp. (laughs) I'm telling you, Cassie was the moment she decided she was like, that, that is why I'm here. That is how I can grow. And the good thing about Grover and the, I think the meaningful thing that Grover gave her was the attention because he asked about her life and he asked about, what brought her here. And I agree. Like you have uh you swayed me a little bit in that he did ask her questions and mm-hmm. he got her to explore why she was there and what brought her there and quote unquote fixed her. But then my problem is that when going home and not having Grover there, how is Xander going to continue to be helped? Because Grover's not gonna be there anymore. He's not going to be asking her questions. She is Going back to the same environment without Mm -hmm. much change. Her mom, yes, has gone through a change and also an evolution within herself. And we can't spoil the end. No. But I just want to talk out loud to you because we won't be spoiling this. So Mm -hmm. just give us a moment. (laughs) Just give us a moment. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I think the end 
was a complete quick fix. Yes. It, and, it was so rushed and so unfortunate because... cliche. Yeah. Very be- cliche. Because Grover, in some parts, Grover was necessary to Xander. And I know that goes against me, you know, saying that he was really creepy. He was a lot of the time. But then there were also times that he did listen to Xander and he gave her feedback and he helped her come to terms with herself. But I only really saw that in very small moments. Mm -hmm. There wasn't enough of it. There was too much of Grover being pushy and weird, being overly teenage boy. Mm -hmm. Not all teenage boys are like that. And I I especially feel like Grover shouldn't have been that way because Mm -hmm. he was intelligent. I did get the sense that he was smart and he was caring and he was conscious of what he was doing. And so I just wish that there wasn't so much creepiness because the creepiness shadowed the good Mm. in Grover for me. I actually, while you're talking, I'm sitting there thinking, I finally, I realized why she named it the odds of loving Grover Cleveland. Earlier I said that I don't know why she named it that way because to me the book ended as in this not love story between them, but really an retrospect it was but i think the reason why she named the author named it that book and the reason why i think grover really meant something to xander was because this is the first relationship in xander's life that didn't end horribly or didn't end sad or didn't end bad it was kind of like i'll see you next year and have these good memories to realize that there's someone out there that actually does care about you and so I, I really, I, I like, I liked Grover. And there are moments where I was like, oh, he's a little teen. I think that's why she named it The Odds of Loving Grover Cleveland is because this boy kind of changed her philosophy on what a relationship could look like for her. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Hmm. Yeah. Thoughts. Yes. Deep thoughts <laughs> from Audio Shelf. Yeah. I agree with that. And I agree with you on the reason why. But he's so creepy. It's just really creepy to me. I just can't get I can't get behind I can't I can't get behind him. And I don't want him anywhere near me. <laughs> All right, so we've already discussed that we've we'd shoved this. Yeah. Sorry about it, Rebecca Crane. Yeah. Maybe next time. Really 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 unfortunate to shove it. But, but that's just for us and Yeah, but that's do, just for us. We do think that teens could benefit from reading this book. Mm, I think yeah, I think this is a great book to build discussion and if I think this is probably the longest episode we've ever had. Oh, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> and we've had a lot of discussion with, e- Individually. with, with each other. Mm-hmm. I, I know I haven't changed your mind on anything, but you, you've <laughs> enlightened me a lot this episode. Just hmm. not on Grover, but whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great Valentine's Day. Yes. Please be sure to like us on Facebook. We are at Audio Shelf. And please also follow us on Twitter at Audio Shelf Me. And if you want to receive The Odds of Loving Grover Cleveland for free and another book of your choosing, go onto our website and click on the Audible link and sign up for a free 30-day trial. Get two free books. Two free books. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Music, and Stitcher. All of them. All the things. All right. Well, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's. Don't fall in love with someone like Grover. Bye, loves. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. If your boyfriend's creepy, report him. CBS. CBS. <laughs> to catch a predator.
This has been Audio Shelf, where we release new episodes every Monday. If you want to stay updated, listen to previous episodes, or suggest audiobooks for us to feature, visit us at audioshelf.me. We are Brad and Brittany. Thank you for listening. Uh. (laughs) 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 Who wants to? Do you want to? What do you want to? Do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Let's do. uh, Inextripic. God, now I won't be able to say it. Something just flew into my face. (laughs) Was it? Yeah, I think it was like a gnat or something. Oh, sorry about that. Anyway, continue. Quiet up there. (laughs) How is he doing? I don't know. Is he playing with marbles? (laughs) Playing jacks. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I'm dying. Oopsie, sorry. Whatever. Whatever. Also, by the way, Xander reminded me of Grace from This is The Secret Life of American Teen. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I can like, totally see that. I was like, this is this is Grace. <laughs> mm, I can totally see it. Uh, Which, by the way, that actress uh-huh. is in that Bravo series, Imposters. Really? Yeah. And oh. I was totally surprised to see her come up and I was like, Grace! Oh, Grace! Adrian was in my head for Cassie. Cassie. Yes. It's oh my god, like, it was the secret life. That's what I'm saying. And that's why <laughs> Oh my it was the secret life of the American teenager. I know. It's oh god, crazy. She just, she just put it into a camp setting. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Grover was Ben, because he was creepy. Creepy. <laughs> and Beck was John, the baby. John the baby. <laughs>